Hey, coaches, welcome to Championship Culture. Got a special guest with us today. Travis Pate is the head foot, uh, my bad, head basketball coach and athletic director at West Bladen High School in North Carolina. And I've asked Travis to come on the uh, podcast because, you know, by far, he's, he's the best basketball coach I've ever been around. Uh, technically super sound, runs great practices. But the most impressive part about Travis is he very intentionally built his culture. And, and I knew I was around him years ago and, and really focused on building a family atmosphere with his players and really caring about his kids. So, Travis, uh, thank you so much for being on this thing. And, uh, and I, I can't wait to steal your ideas. And I know there's a lot of guys that want to hear. Uh, so question number one, can you give us a one-minute elevator introduction? Yeah, um, name's Travis Pate. I'm actually from southeastern North Carolina. Um, actually coach uh, in the town where I grew up, went away for a while, uh, started out, was a uh, high school player, actually played basketball, football, baseball, whole nine yards at my local high school. Uh, played for a legendary basketball coach and a legendary football coach in this area. Jake Smith was the football coach. Junior Nance was the basketball coach. And uh, just learned a lot of things from those guys. Went to UNCW and worked uh, there as a, as a manager and then a student assistant with, man, just probably one of the best staffs you've ever seen as far as, uh, I worked for Jerry Wainwright, Brad Brownell, who's at Clemson. Um, then there were uh, several guys who were on staff also who were uh, Rodney, uh, oh Lord, uh, Rodney recruited uh, Kevin Durant at Texas. He's at, uh, Rodney is at uh, uh, UTEP now. And uh, anyway, a bunch of those guys, Billy Donnelly, Mark Bynes, and all these guys are, are Division One coaches now. A lot of high school coaches were either players or whatnot. So we, we bounced a lot of ideas around at a young age. Um, then went and uh, helped start. I was assistant coach at K3 Community College. Helped start the program there with Jerry Wainwright's son, Scott, who's a phenomenal coach. Went on and coached um, high school as an assistant with Harold Johnson, who was phenomenal at St. Paul's. And then I became a, a head coach very young. Uh, for a while, I was the youngest head coach in the state of North Carolina for a couple of years. Me and another gentleman, we were two weeks apart. And um, became a head coach early, coached at South Robinson. Um, Harold's Christian Academy, where I had uh, uh, had a wonderful experience because uh, I actually – the best part of the experience was coaching football with Bob Lewis, who, who you worked for. Um, went to Hope County, uh, was there for a couple of years, and then uh, actually got out of the business for a short while and uh, realized very quickly where I was supposed to be and where the Lord wanted me. And been here for the last nine, was uh, privileged to work with the Joe Salas for a year, and uh, – we had some good times in that year. So uh, I've, I've had a great life so far. The Lord has blessed me in a lot of different ways. Well, buddy, it was, it's, it was uh, super impressive. I, I know I, I came in one time to watch your, uh, your practice, and it was just uh, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen as far as, uh, you know, the structure and organization of a practice. But, you know, again, the, the thing that was most impressive was how intentional you were. And they didn't even call it culture back then, I don't think. I think it was just called team building, but you always, uh, you were very intentional about building, you know, it was all about family and, and building a tight knit group. And, uh, and that was always super impressive uh, when I was outside looking in. Uh, question number two, and in your program, how do you define culture? It's funny coach, you know, 
I've actually, I've, I've been privileged. And, and by the way, I'm sure I'm the first basketball coach that's been on this podcast. So I've, I've actually watched a few of them. So I'm very happy to be here, by the way. But uh, it's funny because, you know, culture has became, what's the word? It's became the buzzword the last year for good reason. And a lot of that's because of as society has changed, you know, uh, whenever I was playing, the culture you actually learned was you worked and then you were very excited to get to go to practice to get away from work. Uh, so, so that's changed through the years. Actually, the way I define culture, the way we define culture here is not necessarily what it is, but what it's not. You know, your culture is always going to be whatever it is you allow your best player and your worst player to get away with. You know, I, I've been very fortunate. I worked on some really good football staffs. I worked on some really good basketball staffs. And, and you know, everybody always has – everybody thinks they have a, a wonderful culture. You know, they, they really do. And they, they have these ideas. And everybody's going to tell you what everybody's going to do. Well, you know, where it begins is with, with us as the head coach. And, and what I mean by that is it, it's not those things – you know, me and you are real big on catchphrases. You know, you were huge on it when you were here. I'm huge on it, and I can give you, I can rattle off 10 for you really quickly, and our kids can repeat those, and those are great. But those things are only as good as what the, the standard that you're holding everybody to. And that standard, even with your assistants, you know, I've been on staffs where the head coach said, hey, we're all going to do this stuff, but he never got down in the trenches and helped clean up. You know what I mean? He didn't go and do the things that aren't fun. And it, it caused some disunity. Also, what it caused was the players realize those things. And then you look at the players. Um, I don't know if you remember this. We had a player. We won't call his name. Phenomenal athlete. He was a freshman when you were there. Uh, just an unbelievable back. We thought he was going to be wonderful. And, and he caught the attitude with me really early with basketball. And, and we went nose to nose. And I had to get rid of him for the year. I don't know if you remember this or not. I got rid of him in the parking lot. I said, you know, and you just you can't be a part of what we're doing. And I caught so much flack for that. But it was a blessing because what our culture was, everybody knew he was, he was uh, the type A personality. And when everybody realized very quickly that, hey, you know what, he has to do the same thing because he'd been two or three on the team that the number 13 man on the team has to do. And we all have the same expectations. I, I've, been on, I've been a part of staffs. And, and everybody, we're all guilty this at some point, Coach, because, you know, we, we, we put winning in the wrong perspective sometimes. We've all made this mistake. But you let a kid slide because you think you what? You think you need him, you know. And, and, and maybe you did, but you can, you can screw up a culture more by giving in. Because if you ever start giving in, that's the end of it. So I would say my definition, our definition of culture is, you know, what is the absolute, what are we going to tolerate from the best player and the worst player in the program? That, that's awesome, man. Uh, one, of the, one of the best explanations of culture I've heard so far. Uh, and, and for officially, you're the second basketball coach, but the first one played offensive line at Oklahoma. So I could I couldn't pass him up. He, he played on he played for Bob Stutes at Oklahoma, and, and now he's a basketball coach. But and you were you're a heck of a uh, a heck of a football coach too. But but just super impressive as a basketball coach. All right, number three, you know, nuts and bolts. Uh, what are the three best things you do to build culture in your program? Coach, I, I don't know if it's our best things, but there's there, there's certain things, and, and, and I might actually go over the three by one or two, and if I do, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but I would say the number one thing is to build culture 
is the kids have to realize that you love them. Um, now, I, when I say that, that's weird when people hear that coming from me because I have the reputation of being just, you know, go, 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 and, and in-your-face type guy, and I am. I actually, I was, I was fortunate. I was invited to go speak at a, a clinic. Dave Davis, who now is at Winthrop, he's an associate head coach there. He was at Newberry College. And um, anyway, he's a dear friend of mine. He's tried to get me to go work for him several years. And he's at Winthrop now. And you're talking about culture. Uh, the, the head coach there is just amazing. Pat Kelsey is just – it would be worth anybody here, if you can drive to Rock Hill, South Carolina, and watch those guys. His culture, I've never seen anything like it. But anyway, Dave invited me to go and, and, and talk about being an uh, a old-school coach in the new-school world. And, and I went there, and everybody thought I was going to talk about throwing stuff and because I do have a reputation of, of being kind of, you know, like I said. And biggest thing you have to talk about is the only way you can get away with that stuff the kids have to know that you love them. And I'm not talking about, not that you love what they do, not that you, you know, you love how they're going to help you win. But I mean, there's an actual genuine care and love and you want to see what happens. You know, we have a kid, I think you coached him as well, Brandon Council, who is now playing at Auburn. Okay. And uh, Brandon was very young whenever you had him. I think he was a sophomore. And Brandon is now, and he's had a just crazy career, but he, he's, he's, he's at Auburn now. And when Brandon first was here, he was the biggest baby I'd ever been around. And he was a big old kid. And, and I really had – me and him went just almost blow to blow for a while whenever he first got here. And, you know, he realized very quickly, though, I think because of what our staff did, how much we cared about him. You know, now this is the same kid who when we first got here, nobody really could stand him. He calls my wife at Mother's Day. We hear from him every couple of weeks. And, you know, whenever he realized that, when that light went off, Coach, he just became unbelievable. He was by far a much better football player in basketball, but he was the glue to our team. So the first thing I would say that we do is the kids have to know that you love them. Now, that's not, you know, I'm not a lovey-dovey guy, Coach. I'm not going to go, you know, hooking that, oh, I love you. But spending time with them, finding out what's going on in their life, being invested, I think that's the number one thing you have to do now. The funny thing about this is they don't, aren't going to know that at first when they walk in the doors, more than likely. You know, that takes some time to build. So they're going to have to give you some leeway, too, because you, you have to, to really be tough on them. The second thing I would say is we have a saying here, um, and, and, and forgive me because I'm not the brightest let me, guy. Let me, uh, let me inter, uh, interrupt you. I, I, I honestly, I thought that number one there was what you were the best at. I, I – well, from you know, from a coach to coach. Now, obviously, the kids are going to feel it different, but I thought that's what you were best at—that you were a super hard-nosed guy, but you made sure they knew that you loved them. And I and I thought that was kind of the your magic to you is you could you could do both. You could be tough on them and demanding, but all those kids knew that you loved them. And I I really did. I thought that was the magic dust that you had, and and you did a great job with that. I appreciate that. Um. The second thing I would say, we have a saying that's called DWAC. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The letters don't add up because I'm not the brightest guy. But what it is, is don't put winning. We left the P out because it wouldn't make sense. But DWAC, uh, don't put winning above culture. And, and, and this hit me years ago. And whenever, uh, whenever uh, Russell took over you, Coach Dove took over for you, you know, Coach Dove was a – I came on as his defensive coordinator. And 
the community and Russell wanted me to do it. And it was not because I had this football knowledge. It was to help him as he moved along in this. And I told him this. I told my brother when he came here as the head coach. And I've told so many young guys since, don't put winning above culture. Now, I'm a guy who doesn't talk about culture that much. But we talked about it briefly a while ago. What, what we had a tendency to do is we have these great ideas of how, where we're going to stand for everything, you know. Everybody always talks big, right, until, <laughs> until the tires hit the road, you know. And so we all have these, oh, this is what's going to happen. But always what happens is very quickly is we get tested as coaches. And it's always what? It's one of your better players. Um, I was fortunate. My first year here, I came behind a legendary coach, okay, Coach Cross. And, I mean, just, just huge persona. And so we had a really good player, DJ Mason, played Division One basketballs, played professionally. And DJ was a good player. And we had two other kids who, who made the team. Well, they made the team the first day. And guess what? The second day, they were late to practice. Well, you know me. Guess what happened? They were off the team. Because I told them, unless I know ahead of time, you know, you have to be here. I hear the guys all the time, uh, what do you do about guys missing practice? I have never had anybody the whole time I've been here miss a practice but three kids. And all three kids were off the team if I didn't know beforehand what was going on. You set the standard. That's what our culture is. Now, if you're late, there better be a good reason I better know beforehand. Well, DJ Mason comes in halfway through the year. and he, I'm using his name because he wouldn't mind me telling you this. And he had been late and been punished for it one time. I told him, I said, next time you won't play. Here we're playing Scott Wainwright, who I used to work for at South Brunswick. We're number one in the league, and we go without the best player in the league, probably the third best player in the state. And you know what happened? That team up to that point was not my team. It was still Coach Cross's team, and there was a lot of bickering and infighting. They wanted DJ to play that night. We were tied. You'll love this, Joe. We were tied with three seconds to go under our basket. It would have been nice to put six, seven in under the basket and throw it up to him. We left him on the bench. We hit the game. We won the game. But whether we won or lost, from that point on, we were a different team because those guys realized that DJ had to do the same thing that number 13 was. So I would say one thing we do well, I think, here, and I've made mistakes, don't get me wrong, but I think I've learned for it. And, and the, the longer I go, the more I, I, I just had decided. Coach, we've had a rough three years here, as bad a three years as we've ever had. But I have just decided that we're going to cling to, to, to what we hold dear and part of that's the way we're not going to put winning above culture. Because you know what's going to happen? It never really going to equal you winning. You're going to either lose, whether you're probably going to lose on the scoreboard, to be honest, because there's going to be some slippage, but you'll lose down the line if you ever start, if you ever start compromising. Um, three, the third thing is, uh, I think a big part of culture now more than ever is teaching guys to work, teaching guys what the standard is as far as work and respect, uh, you know, there's things that we won't put up with here. You, you have to get your work done, whether it's in the classroom. Uh, the whole time I've been coaching, I've been a head coach a long time, I've had four kids ever fail a class, four, ever. Um, and, and, and that's because, hey, here's what the standard is. This is what we're going to do. You're going to bring me your grades every two weeks. Um, you know, I, we're going to figure out a way to get it done. And you know what? The standard's not always just passing. If you're a B student, we want Bs. You know, so that slides for us. But then guys getting in the gym, now it's, it's so funny. Whenever I was coming up and my first few years in coaching, you never had to go out and recruit basketball players. Football coaches did. You didn't have to do that in basketball. Now guys do this all the time. This is all they do. 
So whereas I'm in the same, I'm actually in a, a bigger high school than where I went because there were two schools that consolidated. We used to have 150 kids go up for the basketball team, coach. Honest to goodness. Now I have, for both of our teams, I'll have 25 to 35. I mean, it's a huge difference. So what's having to happen, these guys are sitting on the couch, and most of them, you have a few who's really loved the game, but then they don't understand how to work. And I think the best thing we can do for any of our young people, besides teaching them how to, how to treat women, how to uh, be respectful, is teaching them what work is. And then hold them to that standard. But they got to see us do it. You know, I always respect the heck out of you for this, Coach. You're the only person I ever worked with who uh, – now, now Kim Kane was here longer than we were, Coach. He was here longer than we were every night. But I'm talking about went and put the time in and worked harder. And, and me and you are workers. That's who we are. We're worker bees. But they need to see that in you. If, if, you're, if you're outside waiting for them to leave when they leave, and it's like, hurry, hurry, I've got to go. Now, I understand there's family things that happen sometimes. But if that's a regular occurrence, you know what they're going to say? He's just doing the bare minimum. Uh, if you're going as a coach and you're not prepared, hey, you know what? I've seen guys who are defensive coordinators, and I go and check up on the uh, – find out from their head coach, and they went and checked on their huddle, and the dude might not have been on huddle but 30 minutes. Now, how can you prepare? And when I was defensive coordinator, I was there all weekend. You know what I mean? I mean, the whole weekend, when the kids went to bed, I'd be up eight or nine hours at night. Well, I mean, you easily were putting 17 to 23 hours over the weekend in film. So how can you not do these things? And what happens is, we've been fortunate here, Coach. We've had a lot of kids play college basketball. And not that we had this huge amount of talent. We do have talent. But I really just think it's because our guys have went in and worked and outworked guys and outworked their talent. You know, if you outwork your talent, I can live with, with the consequences. You know what I mean? But it's those dudes that, that you know, wow, he really – I'm not just talking about players here. Even coaches. We've all had coaches on our staff who say, you know what? Boy, if he would just go that extra mile, he could be something. And if you don't learn that early, I don't know if you can ever learn it, Coach. If you haven't learned it by 22, 23, I don't know if you can ever learn that in life. Man, that was uh, truly impressive. Uh, I, I, you, you, you're going to get a lot of stuff stolen from you uh, when, when this thing goes up in two weeks because that, that was uh, uh, really impressive. Uh, I, now I understand why you're such an elite coach because that, that, uh, that all makes perfect sense, all common sense, and uh, really good. All right, number four, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first got started? Um, I, I'm going to tell you what I learned real quick, I, and, and, and this is going to go to my relationship with Jesus Christ, and if that offends anybody, I apologize, but I really don't apologize. Uh, that, that's what, what I'm here for, I really believe. But, you know, I, I was saved at a young age, went through a rebellious streak whenever I was in college, but, and, and then I had turned back to him. But I was taking my two lives, my coaching life and my Christian walk, and they were separate. And when I was at South Robinson, uh, we turned that program around really fast. We had good players, but it was turned around really fast. I was hot as a firecracker at 23, 24 years old. I mean, people offered me jobs, and, and, and um, there was two things that I thought at the time. One, I thought it was because of me. You know, I, I, was, I was dumb at that time, and I thought I was really good at this. And realized really quick, really quick, a little bit later, I wasn't. And I, my purpose, I thought, was winning games. Now, I'm very competitive. Um, if, if, if we're going to have a spitting contest, I'm going to try and be number one. I'm going to make you stay here till I win, Coach. I mean, that's how I am, but that wasn't my purpose. Um, and and I, so I wasted a couple of years, and the Lord put me on my back, and he taught me a lesson. But if I had to go back, I wish from day one 
that I realized that my purpose was to make men, to not be apologetic about making men, and and reflect in Christ and everything I do with my players. I hope that I've that I have done a better job of that over the last 14, 15 years. But my biggest regret is those first couple of years as a head coach. Uh, I don't think I was reflecting Christ. I think I was living two separate lives, and and that just that doesn't mesh with with what my beliefs are. So that's awesome. You know, I, I talk about when I, I didn't spend enough time building relationships with kids. You know, it was all football, 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 and that that's one that I regret. How do you uh, uh, how do you uh, connect? your success with your Christian walk as far as like I've come up with like when I when I pray about it I I thank God for gifting me in this area yeah. even though and and obviously I know he, he's favored me and he's helped me and he's uh, fixed me and but uh, you know I think of it as he, he obviously you you have a gift you know you are a gifted gifted basketball coach how how do you how do you uh, when you think about it or when you verbalize it, how do you, how do you connect that? Um, well, you know, coach, it's when, when you do look at, at connecting, first thing is it's, it's wonderful because even as when I realized where I was falling short, um, we still go, you know, life's a cycle and life's up and downs. And, you know, I told you when you were here that we were going to be going to be really good in the next year to them, and we were, and we, we, we had it rolling and had a lot of talent. And even though I was putting him first, um, sometimes it's just who we are because we're fleshly, you know, pride starts creeping in a little bit. And then what happens with him, he's always going to get you focused back on him. And so, so where I think and what I hope has happened is I think my players see a very imperfect person. You know, my wife, has lived about, I'm not, she's not perfect by any means, but she's lived about as perfect life as she can. She, she, she's had very few hiccups in her life. She's always walked well, and, and I have it. And I think my guys realize, you know what, if there's salvation for a guy like this, you know, there could be salvation for me. And I hope they see that I grow. But just, you know, last three years, we get our tariffs tore up, and it's hard. You know what I mean? Like, because we say stuff like, you know, you, you got the coach, we had a team that was doing all they could do. They were working. They just hadn't worked enough when they were younger, you know. Had a Division One, a high Division One coach, and he was a quarterback. If you'd have had him, uh, he wouldn't be playing Division One basketball right now. He would be playing it at somebody somewhere huge. Probably with Coach Leach is where he'd be right now. I mean, he was an unbelievable athlete, and and he was hard to coach at times. He really was early on. In fact, he's probably the most talented player I've ever coached. Is what you're saying a lot. And I remember the sophomore telling him to go home, like not go home for the day. I'm talking about like go find another school. And he stayed, couldn't went anywhere because he was so good and everybody wanted him. But for whatever reason, that connected with that kid. And so, you know, losing's been hard. But, and I don't know if this answers your question or not, losing last three has been hard, but it's been very good for me. It's been hard now. I think it's taken years off of me. But it's been good because I've been able to see his hand and his grace. You know what? We've lost by the scoreboard, which is losing. I'm not a moral victory guy. You know that about me. But we've won in a lot of different ways, you know. And so for me, it is, you know, realizing that he's showing favor toward us, not just because in life, hey, you don't win all the time in life. You know, you're going to get sick. You're going to lose a job. You're going to have crazy things happen. Sometimes you had no control over and, and everything's twice. It's how you react to it. You know, our big saying here is attitude and effort. 
Like everybody in our program, we run a big uh, youth camp in the summer and we have summer league and, and, and we talk about it. And if I sit right now in front of my wife, my kids, everybody spouts off attitude and effort. Those are only two things this world you can control. That's it. That is all. I can't control how tall I am. I can't control how fast I am. I can't control what happens to me that day, but I can control my attitude and my effort. And I really believe that's a direct correlation of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, I can't stand up there and say that because of, of, of I'm in a public school setting. But when kids want to know, hey, you know what? What's different about Coach? Because Coach looks like he's about to kill all of us, you know. But the next day he comes in and he tells us what we've done wrong, what we've done right, and how we're going to get better and how we're going to win the next game. And you know what's been amazing is the Lord, what the Lord has shown me. We won five games last year. We won eight games the year before. We had five victories in those two years against teams we never should have beat, Coach. And they were as good as the victories when we were in the 24 and 25 games. You know what I mean? Like, I felt great. And guess who got all – because it was rare to win. Guess who was getting all the glory then, Coach? It was him. It wasn't us. You know what I mean? Because now we realize. And that's what he does to us in life. When we get proud, what does he do? He humbles us, you know. So I, I, I'm hoping I'm learning. Maybe I won't have to go through this again, Coach. Maybe we'll, we'll have winning seasons for the rest of my career. But I hope that answered your question. I don't know if it did or not. But um, well, let me ask you this: uh, the uh, your attitude and effort thing is that a you 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 say it, you trigger something and they respond with that. What do you say to get them to say that? I ask them all the time, especially if you see a guy and he's hanging his head a little bit, or or maybe you didn't like something. Um, because you know how it is with me. It's funny. Sometimes I'll give you a chance to correct yourself, and then sometimes I won't. Sometimes, hey, you're not giving effort. We get online, and, and we're going to run you. But but a lot of times, especially the first few days of practice, but, you know, season's long. You know how it is. You get beat down. But we'll ask them, hey, what can you control? And they, they spout it off real quick. And, and, and we, we, you know, I was the weight room coordinator for years until I became the athletic director, and, and we talk about stuff all the time because, you know, just like the weight room, Hey, listen, all of life is divided. All people are divided into three groups. All people are divided into three groups. You have the bottom third guys, and what they do is, and whatever it is, when everything's going great, and when they come into the weight room, if they're having, you know, you live, you live, coach, you know how this is. There's days you come in, you feel great, and you're going to be wonderful that day. Everybody in the world is great on that day, that, that five days out of the month that you just feel great. Then you got the middle third guys. Now, if you want to win, you're never going to win with those bottom guys. When you recognize those guys in your program, doesn't matter how talented they are, you give them a little bit of time to see if maybe you can pull them up to that next area. But if they stay in that group long, you get rid of them, it don't matter how talented they are, because you'll never win with those guys. Then you got the middle group. The middle group is really where you end up having a great program. Because if you ever get the middle group, because they're going to come in the days that they feel great, like everybody else, they're, they're going after it. Then there's about 15 days at the month where they don't feel great, but they don't feel lousy. And if you can get them to give supreme effort then and give you some effort on the lousy days, man, you're doing something. Now, you know, everybody talks about 100% all the time. That's what you want. That's what you're pushing. But we're being realistic about how people are. That last group, that's the, that's the guys that you don't have to say anything to. It don't matter how bad they feel, Coach. They bring all 30 days a month. They could coming back for more. So whenever we go into the weight room, we talk about these things, those guys, attitude and effort. Hey, man, the attitude is just as important, if not more important, than the effort. Because if the attitude's right, the effort will be there. But sometimes, 
you know, sometimes you just got to fight through. Maybe, hey, something's going at home with mom, dad, somebody's sick. If you can control those two things, and they are the only two things you control, man, you've got life licked, you know. And, and I just thought, besides your relationship with Christ, I really think if, if, if people will, will focus on those two things there, you'll have an unbelievable life, and you'll have an unbelievably productive life. Awesome, man. So you're, you say you trigger it with what do we control, and they say attitude and effort. What, what, can you, what are the only two things you control? That's exactly What are the only two things you can control? And, uh, and we say in life in general. And, that, you know, now, hey, let me tell you, you know what's funny is you have a kid who's, who's, who's normally really good, and you'll say that, and you know what you'll see them do most times? You'll see that head hang for just a second because they realize, you know what, I let coach down. More importantly, I let my teammates down. But most importantly, I let myself down. And whenever you see that, believe it or not, when you see that head sag for just a second, that's when you know you got them. You know, that's when you know that they realize that there's a huge difference in who they are when they can control their attitude and effort. Well, buddy, that, that was uh, – this whole thing has been absolutely phenomenal. You know, last time I saw you, you had a different haircut. I did. But you were always been elite, and now now you kind of like peel back the, the – uh, Peel back the layers. Why I now know why you're such an elite coach, an elite person. I got one story to tell you, and I just when you were when you were going through that last question, I, I remember this story. And I've never told you this. Uh, maybe your wife told you, but I. Uh, how old's your son now? Uh, Jackson's twelve. He's twelve. Okay, and he's a good-looking little athlete now. But when he was a little bitty guy, little tiny. I, I just left, and, and I ran into your wife and, and uh, him at uh, Chick-fil-A one day, and uh, he was always been a little talkative. And uh, I, I said hello to your wife, and then he jumped right in there, and he said, uh, me and my daddy, we love basketball, and we love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, boy, your dad's going to be glad when he hears that, because that's uh, – and that was – I didn't – that's – no one sparked him. He just jumped in and wanted to make sure I knew that, that him and his daddy, they love basketball and Jesus. All right, brother, I appreciate you doing this so much. The last one is uh, contact information because I guarantee you people are going to want to call get in touch with you and talk about some of this. Yeah, um, I'll give you my, my email and my cell phone. Uh, my email is my first and last name, Travis Pate, that's P-A-I-T, at hotmail.com. And uh, my telephone number is 910-234-4318. I am a coaching junkie, so anybody that wants to – let's talk hoops or football or just life, I would love to talk to you about it. So, Well, I I guarantee you're going to have some guys take you up on it. Uh, And then anything uh, anything you want to promote, anything you want to talk about, your your time. Uh, You know, nothing except – this is a great profession. I want to – promote this profession and it's became harder um i think it's hard to do it the way we do it you know because we put ourselves out there um I, you know we, we put ourselves out there and when you do it right you're gonna put yourself out there but uh this is a great profession i think i don't really don't think it's really changed as much as people think i think you go and you be true to who you are make sure that the kids know you love them and it's a hard profession you're not gonna get rich um and even if you do get rich if you make the upper levels what you're having to pay for it, uh, it's not ever worth the money. But I tell you, it's a great life, and I go to bed every night. Can't wait for the next day. Whether whether I'm upset or happy, I can't wait for the next day. So uh, if you're thinking about it, give it a try, give it a shot, and make sure the best advice I ever received from Brad Brunell, he told me, he said two things, 
never take a bad job, ever. He said, because one will come along if you're good enough. He said, and number two, uh, don't go work for a bad dude. So if you're wanting to get in this profession, you're kind of maybe low on the totem pole, find a good dude. And if you have to volunteer, volunteer and go, go learn how to coach them up. Awesome, brother. I appreciate you doing this, man. Yes, sir. Thank you, coach. Have a great one. You too.